second Corinthians chapter three, verses seven to 18. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison to the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds are made dull. For this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ the veil is taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. It's like normally when we think about how life moves, we think about how time works, we think about how uh, our experiences are, our events are, how we grow. Life unfolds in pretty regular slow, steady kinds of ways. And yet there are moments, there are events, there are discoveries that can occasionally occur that change everything. In our personal life, that can look like getting married, having a child, or losing someone. At a community level, well, we're all experiencing a disruptive moment that changes everything. COVID-19 has changed so much of our existence. But that's not the only moment. In 2008, there was a financial crisis that for some changed things radically. Maybe there's an election. There is a, you know, uh, some kind of global event, the discovery of some new technology. Those things change something. And as they happen, they change the landscape of reality for us. But just because something dramatic has happened to change the world does not mean that we always adjust accordingly to the changes around us. I think this is probably the most common issue that I deal with when I'm doing early marriage counseling. Not like pre-marriage counseling, but like early marriage counseling, which is that something radical has happened, something has changed so much of life, and yet not enough adjustment has taken place in light of this changing. The habits of living at the dude house are still happening now in the marriage house. And it takes time to transition out of those things. Well, this is the kind of conversation that Paul is having with the church at Corinth. The resurrection has happened. Jesus has ascended. The Holy Spirit is with us. The church is living in the new covenant. But Corinth has not adjusted to the reality that has unfolded around them, to this disruptive, world-changing news. They have not fully grasped how disruptive it really is. 
And instead, they continue to see life through the lens of the old covenant. They treat people, understand wealth, think about suffering through the lens of the old covenant. They even see themselves and Paul's ministry to them through an old lens. And so throughout 2 Corinthians, what Paul is trying to do is challenge how this church sees, to challenge them to see their life, their world, even his own ministry, even them very selves, through the lens of the new. In the first couple chapters, that began with Paul encouraging the church to see through the cross. He was learning to understand his own sufferings through the cross and the resurrection. And so he invites the church to be, would you see the world through the lens of Jesus' cross and his resurrection? And then he moves into trying to help the community see through the communal lens. To say that Christ has reconciled us together. He has made a people out of disparate alienated communities. And he's like, would you see the world through that lens? It fundamentally alters how you see. And then last week, Paul begins to challenge them to see through the lens of the Spirit with them. Through the transforming power of the Spirit in them. And this week, he's going to take that same theme and go even deeper. Comparing the old that we so often live within and are so hesitant to give up with what the Spirit is trying to do. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 7. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory, now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which is to last? This is such an interesting moment for Paul because the majority of the Corinth church were Gentiles. They were believers in Jesus who came from Greek culture. They weren't Jewish. They weren't the original inheritors of this way of being. But at some point in their story, some teachings, some apostles have entered into their mix and confused them with the Old Covenant, with teaching about the law, with teaching about Torah, with teaching about the sacrificial systems, and has told them that they are responsible somehow for upholding that old way of interacting with God and other. And that leads to these criticisms they have of Paul, criticisms of his teachings, and a different way of living. So Paul is interested in like taking up that issue. And he doesn't slam them. He doesn't criticize them. Instead, he says, the old was good and it was glorious. The law was good. It was helpful. It formed Israel into a people. It revealed God to them. It helped them connect with one another, with their creator, and it helped them live out this reality in the world around them. It was good, and it was glorious. In Galatians 3, 24, Paul will say something really similar, but in a helpful way for us to understand this moment, he'll say, so the law was our guardian until Christ came. 
that we might be justified by faith. The law was our guardian. It was like a tutor. The Greek there is pedagogos, which is where we get the word pedagogy. It's a guard or a tutor or a guide, and it taught Israel how to be good. It guarded them like it guards children who need boundaries around their lives. It showed them what it meant to be the people of God. But as good as it was, and as good as the law was, and as good as this old covenant was, it had limits. It was transitory, as Paul says. It could not heal. It could not eradicate evil from our hearts. It could not bring righteousness or right relationship between us and God. Paul illustrates this by talking through the story of Moses. He said that after Moses would interact with God, his face would shine. And so he would wear a veil because the people of Israel were afraid to see the glory shining from God's face, from Moses' face. And Paul is like, that's amazing. That's so mysterious. There's something so crazy about that event, and yet it reveals the limits of the old. Only one person in the community displayed the glory. And it had to be hidden because of fear behind a veil. And so only one person displayed it, and yet it was veiled to the community. It was good. But in verse 11, he says, If what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? So why, according to Paul, is this new thing that God is doing so much better? Well, he says in verse 8, because the ministry of the Spirit will be even more glorious. It is better because it is the ministry of the Spirit. And what the law, the tutor, the guardian could not do, the Spirit can do. So Paul says in verse 11, the ministry that brings righteousness is what the Holy Spirit does. What the law could not do through tutoring or guiding or guarding the Spirit does within us through transformation. Last week, Heather read from Jeremiah, where the promise is that God will do a work and provide us with a new heart, transforming us from the inside. And the heart for the ancient Israelites, it's the center of your being, the the whole part of you where your desires are, your orientation is. So the promise is that something transformative will happen. And Paul is like, oh, that's why this new is better, because the Spirit is at work in you, transforming that, giving you the new heart that was promised. And then that is what leads to it being so disruptive. In verse 17, Paul, to like articulate what that means for the believer, says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This transforming work that's happening in the new brings freedom. Freedom is one of Paul's favorite words to describe what God is doing. In Galatians 5, he says, For freedom Christ has set you free. Under the law, we were like children under a guardian, guided, tutored, kept. But in the Spirit, we are graduating from that childhood. Paul says, Following up on that comment in Galatians 3, 24 and 25, he says, Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. 
It's like we've graduated like so many students were supposed to do this week. We have graduated into something more, into something bigger, into the life that we were intended for. Paul says it this way, saying, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Whereas the way that he says it in 2 Corinthians 3.18, you are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We have graduated into the life that we were intended for. We were made to be children of God, image bearers who reflect God's glory. And as we know through the story of Scripture, sin severs that relationship. But through Christ and his work and the Spirit, we are being reconciled back to God. And so now we graduate from the law into the life that we were intended for. To live in and out of and growing more into the way of the Spirit. For we are being transformed day by day. And because the Spirit is transforming us into image bearers, we, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. This is Paul referencing back that old story. In the old order, Moses reflected glory behind a veil. But now he's like, the Spirit in us is transforming all of us into glory reflectors. We, with unveiled faces, contemplate the glory of God in and through one another. It has been dispersed into the community. Not one person, not one organization. No, the whole people of God are empowered by his spirit, reflecting his glory. That is literally the craziest thing you can imagine. That is so crazy. I like, cannot imagine, and I just can't think of another thing to say other than it is crazy. When we gather together, we contemplate the glory of God. Or at least that's the opportunity that we are invited into. When you enter into house church, you are invited to contemplate the glory of God. We are like people who are playing with a nuclear reactor and we just don't even know it. Because when we gather together, we contemplate the glory of God with unveiled faces. That's what it means for us to have graduated into this new way. That is why it is so disruptive, according to Paul. It changes everything we knew about the old. It changes everything we know about life. But the trick is, just because it has changed things, like COVID-19 or a marriage, does not mean that we have adjusted appropriately for the change. This is what Paul says in verse 14. He says, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the very veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. He's like, just because this new has come, we can still see through the old like the church at Corinth does. Our hearts and our minds can be veiled. How does this happen to us? Well, for Corinth, they refused to stop seeing the world through the law, this guardian. It's like they were a bunch of super seniors who refused to graduate high school. They wanted to live 
in that space. The life they were intended for was on the other side, but they said no. And we do the same thing all the time. Maybe in part because the law or the guardian, in some ways it feels safe and known. Whereas the empowering of the Spirit feels mysterious and beyond our control. And that's true. We do this at a subconscious level. I don't think it's a deliberate statement. But in this moment, Paul talks about boldness, that knowing that the Spirit is in the midst of you changes his ministry from one of boldness, where Moses was one of fear. But I think in our own life, we rarely think of our own like participation with Christ through the lens of boldness. Rarely do we think about proclaiming the story of God with boldness. Rarely do we think about practicing our faith with boldness. Rarely do we think about loving our neighbor with boldness. Instead, it is a ministry of fear, and that is living under the guardian of the old. That is living under the guardian of the old, not remembering and not internalizing and not owning that God has in empowered you and filled you and made you an image bearer through which others can contemplate the glory of God. When we live without the boldness that Paul talks about, he's like, oh, you're living under the old, under a guardian. You've not graduated high school into the life that you were intended for. It's like you're still living under a tutor. And at the end of the day, it is a failure to trust Jesus. What Paul is saying in verse 14, he says, in Christ, that is taken away. He's like, if you trust Jesus, then you're seeing through his work. You're back to this moment of seeing through the cross, of seeing through the resurrection, of seeing through the ascension, of trusting the gift of his spirit and freedom within you. He's like, to know him, to trust him, to risk in that relationship, is to experience the veil being removed, to know that you have been made an image bearer. So the question is one of trust. Do we trust Jesus? Do we trust his gift of his spirit in us? Or do we still live under a guardian in the old? Missio, as you think through this, as you think about what Paul is offering, what he's telling the church at Corinth, What stops you, like it did stop the people at Corinth, from experiencing the freedom of the Spirit? He's like, here it is. This thing has disrupted everything we know. It's changed the game. The landscape is different, and yet we can choose to live under a guardian. So, Missio, what stops you from experiencing the freedom of the Spirit? From trusting Jesus' gift to you. Is it fear, insecurity, a desire for safety or control? What stops you from experiencing the freedom of the Spirit? And alternatively, what could freedom that comes from the Spirit look like in your life and in this community? Like, it's crazy to me in this moment that Paul says that Moses' ministry was one of fear. But his ministry is one of boldness. You're like, wow, that's, man, that's a crazy thing. What does the boldness of the Spirit look like in our own life? What kind of boldness would flow from trusting that you and those around you 
display with unveiled faces the glory of God? How might that challenge how you view yourself? How might it challenge how you view others and engage with others and even engage with the church around you and house church? How might it impact the way you think about your life in the world? If you were to trust and live into the boldness that comes from the freedom of the Spirit. Missio, we are, regardless of whether we know it or own it or even trust it, we are a people of the Spirit. We have been filled with God's presence. And as Paul says in this moment, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so this week, this year, just today, go and be a people of freedom and presence those around you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your story. That this is a story that so often challenges our own conception of the world around us, that challenges our conception of others and ourselves. As again, we hear your story re-narrated, and we hear the, the gift of your spirit, the boldness that comes from your spirit, what it would it sink into our hearts at levels we've not experienced before? And so as we kind of exit this place in the space of worship, would we go so with a risk in mind? How are we going to risk and trust you? To give us the courage to risk in you so that we might be a people of your spirit, a people of freedom this week. In your name we pray. Amen.